Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, corporeal and non-corporeal listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, but more importantly, we're really good friends. Right, Ben? Power of friendship. The power of friendship endures. Um, in fact, you can find Ben's work all over the internet. Ben, come on, give him the give him the lay of the land. Sure, you can find my work at Car and Driver, at Motor Trend, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty. And you can find my work in case you're worried worried about you know this just being the Benjamin Hunting Show. Wow, you can no find one's thinking my... that. No one no, is no thinking one that. Is, no one is thinking that. I was thinking about it. You can find my work at Autotrader.ca. Uh, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. Ben, we've got some hybrid SUVs to talk about, something that we haven't done in a little while. If this is, was I the think, Benjamin Hunting Show, yes, you would not be the first person to speak. I just want to true. point that out. Just just to anyone who is worried about Sammy's contractual details <laughs> and <I> compensation. Love, <laughs> thanks for reminding everyone, I guess, you know, that uh, if this was... So are you trying to say this to Sammy... It's the Sammy show? I think it's the Sammy Hadjassad Hour. I think no. it's the, what the official name is on all of the paperwork I was forced to sign in Sammy the middle Hour of the night <laughs> under a distressing amount of of uh, coercion. Come on, do it. Famously, both of us are bad at signing paperwork. <laughs> That's very – it is true, very famously. Um, ben, you want to talk about hybrid SUVs or what? Contractually, yes. Uh, personally? Personally, I'm not allowed to say. Okay. Uh, now you know. You really have been paying attention to what you signed. Okay. I'm going to talk to you first about the 2013, uh, not 2013, the 2023 <laughs> Honda CRV, which got a pretty thorough uh, redesign, including, I think, a new platform um, earlier this year or for the 2023 model year. Yeah, I think and I, I, think I yeah. drove it back in December, right? And we talked about the gas model. Yeah, we talked about the gas model. It's a 1.5 liter turbocharged four cylinder that makes like 190 horsepower. And the biggest takeaway that I remember from that episode is that you really did not like the fuel economy with that um, with that vehicle. It was really thirsty. Even even though, I mean, December you think, oh, it's kind of cold. It's going to use more gas. There were some warm days, and I still was not doing great with that thing. So maybe, in fact, if there there might be a solution to that model, I guess maybe Honda or other people were thinking. With the CRV Hybrid, which is um, available now, it has um, pretty much, I think, the same powertrain, but with a hybrid component to it, which is great, right? I guess. I mean, is it great? I haven't driven it. You have. It is not ideal, I will say, actually, is my problem. I don't think this thing... Oh, sorry. It's not turbocharged. The hybrid is not turbocharged. That's maybe my biggest issue right now. Off the line, right off the bat... Not turbocharged motor. I noticed that immediately. The the, the car makes um, an extra 14 horsepower. It has 204 horsepower um, and a total of 247 pound-feet of torque. Now, Honda calls, really a, good. Yeah. Honda calls this a sport hybrid. So they must be that, – that used to be Acura's term. <laughs> so they must be pretty confident in how this thing performs. I mean, are I, they just blowing smoke or what's the deal? I think they have confused the word sport. Um, in their nomenclature for essentially anything. It is just filler at this point. It, it might, has be, no it might be hybrid sport too. I don't know. It's not clear. No, it's sport hybrid and then sport touring hybrid of which I of which I drove. Um, I will point out that there are only five trim levels of the CRV across okay. the line, including both 
um, hybrid and non-hybrid models. And the top trim model is the Sport Touring Hybrid, which starts at around $40,000, which is um, a lot of change for for a crossover, something, a, a compact crossover. Something else I want to point out about the, the CRV, I believe that the hybrid is front-wheel drive. Um, I didn't think so. You can get a front-wheel drive version? I think that is possible, yes. Now, but, the uh, Rev, the, the, the other hybrids in this segment, I Which don't... I also drove, I will tell you. I did my homework. I drove both of them back to back. And I, day. The, the, so the Rav Four, I believe, is all-wheel drive only in hybrid form. Is that correct? correct. I think that's. I think that's new. I'm going to double. To be. I'm going to double check on that. Okay, go for it. Because I, I, I just that's the significant. Yes, it difference. is all-wheel drive only. So that that's a pretty significant difference. The reason I think about that is because I remember that Toyota, you know, they like to put that second electric motor for all-wheel drive models. Yes. And I'm going to say that there's a significant difference in terms of um, these two vehicles. But let me just jump into the CRV. Yeah. I want to reiterate a couple of things that maybe you mentioned um, when you drove the gas model. It is a iterative design. It looks a lot like the old version. The cabin looks a lot like the um, new Civic, which is to say it has this graded dash design, which is okay. It's kind of cool. It's got a really decent infotainment system. And if you don't use that infotainment system and instead opt for Android Auto, it has wireless Android Auto, which is great. Um, that is probably all of the great things I can say about this oh, wow. vehicle. It is also pretty quiet. Maybe that's another thing. Um, everything else about this vehicle has some caveat to it. It has the most unnecessarily heavy, lifeless steering um, I've ever felt in a, in a car in this class. It is so heavy for no reason. Um, it is not sporty. It does not feel precise. It does not feel, you know, enjoyable to drive or or refined or anything like this just because it's heavy. I could not stand this. Um, another element I had, I think, I need to double check this, but it had the loudest brake pedal I've ever heard in my life. With the it, pedal itself or the brakes? Yeah, the pedal itself sounded like a robot every time I pressed on it. It was just like... <laughs> Like <laughs> what? And I could not figure out what it was. Okay. Was, Normally yeah. you're friendly with robots and cars. Like we, But not this time. Nope. Your, your relationship with the with the Subaru Forester's robot is well established, but this time you're rejecting the robotic presence under is it because it's under your foot and therefore beneath your attention? <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's it. Wow. Maybe that's 100% it. I don't know how to feel about that. I was caught off guard. Another journalist, um, friend of the podcast, Jody Lai from autotrader.say, also noticed this loud, unnecessary noise coming from the vehicle. Could not figure out why every time she hit the brakes, um, it made all this all this hubbub. So much hate for a pedal. Yeah, come on now. Um, additionally, I'm going to say it was weird that um, when I was taking a look at um, ca cabin space, there's no place to put the cargo cover. Um, some vehicles have a underfloor storage for the cargo cover. This did not have that. Additionally, did not even have under underfloor storage. Is that because I'm assuming the electric motor? I'm also assuming that's why. Now, if the electric motor and the hybrid component of this car was effective, maybe all of this would be um, okay. Maybe I'd be in a better mood. But over my, I would say I put um, a couple hundred miles on it. I only got 34 miles per gallon on this thing, which is not special to me. It's it is not, not amazing. No, I mean, amazing. especially since you know, if, you, if you're comparing it to the, um, the, the, the Toyota, I believe yeah, it's rated that, at like 41. That is what I did. And I got 40, uh, 40.5. Okay. Um, and I did not drive it particularly trying to get good fuel economy. It just felt, 
easier at all times to get good fuel economy in the in the Rav Four. So now, let's, I'm not let's break this. The, let's break yeah. this down because now we've driven both the hybrid version of the CRV and the gas version of the CRV and been super underwhelmed by how it performs at the fuel pump. What is the problem? Like, what specifically about this crossover is putting it be- behind the rest of the pack? Like, why would I you even not. get? Why even pay more for the hybrid if the fuel mileage is going to be so underwhelming? I could not figure it out. I could notice, I did notice these follow, these these situations. It holds the gas motor on for a, a longer period of time than the than the RAV4 would. As in, you know, you're idling or something like that, or you, you're about to, to take off from a stop a stoplight. Typically, I think the RAV4 or other hybrids can just use that electric motor for the first initial um, movement and then fire up the gas motor as needed. To me, the the CRV hybrid had its gas motor on frequently, so I think the only way to I, I thought maybe it was HVAC setting controlled. So yeah. I turned off the the fans. Still, this thing, and not only that, it's a loud gas motor when it turns on. It it, it hums quite quite high RPM wise, and it takes a while to to turn off. Now I will say when it turns on and off, it doesn't shake or um you know, kind of like disrupt the car in any significant way, but it is fairly not fairly noticeable noise wise and it impacts the fuel economy significantly. I found that to be true of the Rav4 though. So I found that the, the gas engine was, it's hard to tell because it's almost like, am I being lulled to sleep by the fact that when I'm driving around in the electric motor, it's just that much quieter. And so the gas motor becomes more intrusive when it happens. Yeah. Or is that motor really running rough compared to what I expect from a, a four cylinder? I think that's, I think that's true, but I will say overall, the the Rav Four, which has not gone undergone the same you know um, redevelopment as the CRV has, which I think the CRV is trying to appeal appear more premium, and so as a result has a quieter cabin. Maybe there's more sound deadening here, but the Rav Four has a noisy is just a noisy cabin altogether from you know tire noise or uh, wind noise um, and everything like that, but. It does switch to from gas to EV fairly frequently. I think is my is my note. Not only does it, and and I mean that in a, in a positive way. It is constantly switching on the gas when needed, off turns off the gas when it doesn't. Uh, I found that to be reassuring. As somebody who bought a hybrid, I want that hybrid system to be working, right? Yeah. I don't want it to just be like, uh, okay, it looks like the driver's not going to need need the gas car the gas motor on for a while, so I'll I'll turn it off now. Right, I, I want the car to be active, constantly, constantly adapting to the situations. And I will say that the driving conditions that I drove for both of these vehicles were the same. I drove them back to back this throughout the whole week. I had them. So, really, this is a. I mean, after the experiences we've had, it's hard to recommend the CRV. I mean, it really feels like a runner-up in pretty much every important category, and not just compared with the Rav Four. But if you look at other fun, to, in terms of fun to drive factor, in terms of styling, um, I, I guess it's probably competitive when it comes to interior space and price. But other than that, I mean, is Honda, did they just kind of whiff on this generation? I don't even think it's that competitive in terms of price. Let me double check the pricing. The hybrid, the sport hybrid starts at 32000 before delivery. Um, and you'll recall that's a front-wheel drive version of the car. Yeah, you can get an uh, a hybrid LE for thirty thousand with all-wheel drive. It's thirty thousand. Uh, okay, yeah, and it is. Yeah, all-wheel drive across the board, regardless. Better of Better fuel economy. You know, even at the lower trim levels. So I'm I'm caught off guard by what Honda's tr- attempting to accomplish here. 
Now, um, is it possible that Honda doesn't want to sell these? And no, uh, we, is this our new answer? This, <laughs> it feels like this is our new answer to every time there's a bad car. But, is that but, automakers but, are purposefully trying to not sell cars. But hear me out. Like, perhaps they don't want to invest what it would take to be competitive with this vehicle uh, as a hybrid. And so they're not really interested in making the hybrid a standout. Maybe they're just happy to sell the standard version of the CRV because they sell a lot of those. Yeah, they do sell a ton of Whereas, a ton of CRV. For Toyota, hybrids are a huge part of their identity. That is not true at Honda. So I don't know. I'm I'm caught off guard by this question because I think um, price wise, the the top trim model, which is uh, almost forty grand again for a front wheel drive version of the car, um, compares to the forty thousand dollar version of the all wheel drive Rav Four. So I think it's they're close enough near the top end, but it just seems like a bizarre strategy to have. Um, and just want to, they want to sell cars that are more expensive. I thought that was the goal. So uh, the Rav Four, they probably have better margins, right? Tell me more about the Rav Four because you haven't talked too much about it. Okay, so the Rav Four I had was actually a unique trim level called the Woodland Edition. Okay. Um, That's like mid tier, yeah. right? It is, yeah, mid tier. It runs for about thirty three and a half thousand dollars, which puts it on par with the XLE or uh, XLE Premium or XSE version of the of the vehicle this is supposed to be a sort of like uh it's not as hardcore to say a subaru wilderness but it has like a um, sanded roof rack it has these really cool bronze wheels that kind of remind me of uh, an old school subaru sti um and it had like these really adorable floor mats that said woodlands all over them uh-huh. with like trees in the in the like embossed in the mud in the mats, which I thought was very unique. Now, does it come with like all-terrain tires as well and like special wheels and stuff? I don't think in particular they were all-terrain tires. I thought they could have been, but I think there's another model that Toyota sells that's called the TRD Off-Road. Yeah, so the TRD Off-Road um, is available, but not as a hybrid. Yeah, um, and I I'm seeing conflicting information that says you can order like that that the, the, the Woodland come the, the hybrid woodland does have some of the trd suspension kit and stuff it's just not quite as hardcore because i it's it's like this is we were just talking about the x pro right i feel like last week yeah yeah i feel like the rav4 trd is a little off-road it's a little bit more all-terrain specific than the x pro is maybe yeah, i think that's fair i wouldn't say it's like still it's not a serious off-roader but i think you could probably get farther before you'd get stuck totally um i I think the hybrid woodland is not a real, you know, off-road oriented SUV. It is one to portray the, it, what did we used to call it? Cosplaying. Yeah, um, cosplaying the, the off-road lifestyle. Yes. I'm, I actually um, enjoyed most of this vehicle. There are a couple of really important notes with the RAV4 that go contra, like completely in contrast to the CRV hybrid. For example, this woodland version had really hard cloth seats they were very uncomfortable for longer trips um did not find that very appealing or attractive in any way even though they're cute and they have these like trees all over them i would uh, probably suggest people uh comfort wise go to another trim level it's Just certainly right it's, it's certainly not wool right no no it's not wool I, is this is 2013 your year of the wool 2013 for, i mean maybe i mean tw- what is wrong with me i've gone back i must have bumped my head and gone back in time yeah 2023 we're, is, we're actually uh, recording this on real player <laughs> did we start the podcast 10 years ago 2023 
is your year of the wool, isn't that? I think so. I mean, okay. why not? I got to pick a year. I got to I got to commit to something. Why can't it be wool? <laughs> you got to commit to Why can't one this thing? be wool? <laughs> why can't we be wool? There you go. Um uh, the other element of the RAV4 that needs a serious consideration is the infotainment system is awful. Like, actually, really, really bad. Um, the first time I used it, I think I had a conniption. I think I honestly almost suffered a stroke just trying to figure out how to get to a home screen. There are no physical buttons on this uh, infotainment system. There are There is no home button on the on the screen. So I just stuck with it and figured out a way to plug my phone into it and just used um, Android Auto, which you'll note again is uh, is not wireless like it is in the CRV. Those are my two biggest concerns with this vehicle. Um, otherwise, I think people might say that it's a tiny bit na- uh, noisy. The interior is feeling a little dated or dra- drab. It's not really like colorful or engaging. But I actually really like the rubberized knobs and controls. I think. Operating the vehicle is fairly easy because it has these massive buttons that are really well labeled and easy to find. And in contrast to what I mentioned um, in the CRV, there is underfloor storage specifically for a cargo cover, which is super helpful. Um, I have this in my in my 13 year old Outback, and uh, it blows my mind that a CRV would not have a fully loaded CRV would not have this feature. So just kind of echoing a bit of what you're saying, I find that the Rav4 it, it is getting a little long in the tooth. It's the the hybrid is quicker than the gas one by like maybe almost a second. Then there's the prime model, which is like two seconds quicker, but yeah. you, you can't get it. Like buying a prime is almost, that's the plug-in hybrid. It's almost impossible. It's like winning the lottery. Yeah. The good thing about the RAV4 is there's so many more versions compared to yeah. the CRV. There's a there lot are 13 of, trims of, of RAV4s. I guess half of them are hybrids. Yeah. And there are... Five trims of CRV. But oh. I, I will say that the RAV4 is a very average driving experience. There's yeah. nothing about it where you're going to be like, that was fun, that was relaxing, that was comfortable. There's really no adjective that, or superlative, I guess, that you can apply to the RAV4. It simply is. It's, you're going to, you're going to get into it, you're going to use it, and you're going to not think about it. You know, and but if that's at the same time, that's a great thing because it's not frustrating to drive. The only sure. element that was frustrating was the infotainment system, but that's it. Sure, um, I mean, but if you're looking for like a plain vanilla SUV that you can also get, you know, slightly different. You can get the woodland personality, the TRD personality, the plug-in personality. There's there's yeah. different ways to dress it up, right? None of them are going to be super exciting, and none of them are going to be like very luxurious. Even if you get up to like the limited trim, it's going to be fine. You won't be disappointed. Uh, if you don't have any expectations, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a ubiquitous vehicle for a reason, because I think it hits a lot of bases without really irritating people aside from the, the infotainment that, that problems that you were talking about. I think that's okay. I honestly, I'm starting to think that it's okay to make an average vehicle. I think there are some good oh, average vehicles. I think uh, Rogue reminds me of a of a totally acceptable average vehicle. It's great to make an average vehicle if it's at a price point in its yeah. segment where you know it recognizes the fact that it's average. Now where you're getting uh, value. As a teaser to some later uh, episodes that we'll have, I've recently picked up two uh, plug-in hybrids in the same class, which are the Sportage or Sportage. PHEV and the Outlander PHEV Ugh. and both try to do things to make themselves stand out and I don't know if that involved that that the end result is positive for the for the the vehicle you, you know need what I mean that Sportage plug-in X Pro that's what you need yeah so I'm always curious you know there is an element of making a vehicle that just 
exists and does what it's supposed to do. Um, I do think that this Woodland version has some visual charm. Uh, the more I look at this generation of RAV4, the more I think that these are actually pretty attractive-looking cars. They have these really chunky wheel wells, um, and I and I love them. I think they're really cool-looking. Um, and I'll be curious to see how whether or not they embrace this design language in whatever comes out next, or if they're going to go away go away from it into something into something more I don't know techy or modern that we've seen with their smaller crossovers like the Corolla Cross. So, is there anything else that you want to uh, say about the CR, uh, CRV or the Rav Four? I'm I, I'm curious. I really want to know what people are thinking about the modern CRV, the new CRV, because I do see a lot of them on the road. To me, I think that's a miss. I do I do think that this is a thorough miss from the automaker. It, it I don't know what they're what they're what's going on here. If they've missed some key attribute that made their old one feel easier and more and less frust- frustrating to drive. Um, and we could always count on the CRV for being kind of drab, boring, but it was huge and and it had really good fuel economy with the 1.5 in the past. Um, and it was well priced. So I'm so I'm caught off guard because I used to be able to recommend the CRV to everybody. But no and more. I don't think I'm yeah, no more, right? How do you take that off your list, right? I mean, it happens. It's it's no one stays the champ forever. But now, who do we put? Like, what? Well, are you the would top? say Rav Four. I mean, right? What would you put at the top of that class? Right? We've said CX Five, I think, in the past. Yeah, but again, bad infotainment. If that's a problem for you, okay. Uh, the Forester is fine. The Rav Four is fine. I think the Santa Fe is fine, or Santa Fe Sport, whatever it's called these days. I think you're, Tucson is now playing in that class. Tucson, okay. So th- these are all fine vehicles. It's really hard to think of a of a standout. Yeah. Um, there's stuff like the Bronco Sport, which is like if you want yeah, something that's weird, unique. Yep. If you want something weird. That's that's where you kind of go. So and Forester Wilderness, that's the other weird one in that class, Yeah, I right? guess so. I guess so. But, uh, you know, there's the TRD RAV4 as well. It's it, There's not really a lot of personality in this segment. That's just how it is. Um, what happened? Uh, well, I mean, like you were saying, it's okay to make average vehicles, and especially if they're affordable. So I, I don't have a problem with that, really. I mean, there's not a class of vehicle that appealed to me in any way, except for the fact that I know how useful they are and how frugal they can be at the fuel pump. And like for most people, that's great. Like, it's, so long as they're not a CRV. Yeah, I mean, this they're they're just you know, it's like a a locker for your life that you drive around, and you can fit a lot of stuff in the back, and you can fit your kids in it, and it's it's fine, and it's you know, it's it's reasonably affordable, and that's totally. kind of where we are with this segment. And I think a lot of the personality has gone into the luxury segment and you have to pay a lot more to get that. That's unfortunate. That's a really big loss, I think. Well, I, these are so many of these vehicles are not designed. They're designed for a customer and a spec sheet, you know, like or to fill but, white, the white space in the showroom. We've talked about this so many times. It's not like somebody looked at this and was like, how can we make an exciting SUV? They were like, how can we make an SUV that costs this, has this interior volume and is going to get this fuel mileage? Like that's that's a space where you get a lot of similarities. I'm, not- I'm disappointed because there are cheap and cheerful cars, okay? We've talked about the Maverick. The Maverick actually has a lot of interior attitude, right? Like it has a real, for what it costs and what it has in the cabin, there's, you know, splashes of color here and there. There's a driving f- style that is like, 
engaged, not engaging, but energetic, I would suppose. There's other cheap cars like the Kicks and the Venue, which also throw in those flashes of color everywhere. Um, Sentra or whatever, if you want to talk about affordable vehicles. Um, why are we not getting that much whimsy and charm in these classes? Because I think these, we need this, to get them. I feel like this class isn't about whimsy, though. This is this is like this That's is like bad. the cold reality, the cold hard morning reality class of vehicle where it's like, here's what I'd like to buy and here's what I actually need to buy. You know, it's the old Camry and Accord of the class. I it's guess. also there's a whole there's a whole lot of do as you're told here where like people buy RAV4s and CRVs over and over again because our industry of me- the media has told them over and over again to buy Toyota and Honda. You know, okay. so uh, when that happens, other automakers look at that and there's two ways to there's two yeah. ways to approach dealing with a popular or I guess, you know, gorilla that rules your particular segment. You can try to make your own gorilla that's almost exactly the same, or you can go in a completely different direction. And very few car companies do the latter. Yeah. So that we end up with a whole bunch of gorillas, you know. The people who have gone the other direction would be Mazda and Ford uh, in the way that we mentioned. I also think that sometimes uh, Mitsubishi kind of plays there because they offer a third row their, their vehicles at third row. Yeah, but you don't want that. I mean, it's, but it's just a ro- it's a rogue otherwise, right? Yeah, it's it's you know, no thank <laughs> you. you or, no thank you on tiny third rows. I mean, no yeah. thank you. Period. Um, but that's it. That's all I got to say about this uh, about this comparison, which I think is um, a bold one. I think you know people need to know about this comparison, and for a, a an all new redesigned vehicle to lose to the Rav Four, which has been around for a long time. Is uh, is a serious problem that Honda needs to to rectify soon. All right. Well, if anyone out there has a serious problem that they would like us to rectify, <laughs> they can get a. There's, there's a bunch of ways you can get in touch with us. Um, the easiest way is to just go to the website unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, fill out our submission form, click submit, and it shows up in our inbox. Or you can find us on social media. Sammy is on the cesspool that is Twitter. He is at Sammy underscore Ha. Like you're laughing. You can find me on Instagram at Hunting Benjamin, or you can email me the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. You can also, on our website, find links to all the podcatchers and podcast services where the podcast is available, which is pretty much everywhere. And if you do that, we would love it if you could leave us a review or a rating or some kind of comment because that helps us kind of broaden the audience for the podcast. Sammy is not going to be here next week because he is going on an exciting trip to Jordan. Uh, a well-deserved vacation. And so we're going to be having a guest host, friend of the podcast, Chad Kirchner, is going to be coming in. And I don't know what we're going to be talking about. I think it's going to be exciting. I know I'm going to be talking about the Genesis G80 EV, which uh, or electric, whatever they decide to call it finally, uh, which I'm very excited to um, discuss. I've said the word excited so many times now. I don't know what Chad's bringing to the table, but he's been doing a lot of traveling lately. So I'm quite curious to hear what he has to say about his He's going to bring something. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful surprise every time we bring him he's a craftsman of the human of the the human language of the english language imagine there was a human language imagine there was like one language that everyone all everyone knew and just ignored they're like yeah i don't speak human i'm done with that no no thank you it's below me um well i'm i'm sorry i'll I'll be missing that but uh, i hope you guys have fun even without me and i can't wait to hear how the the podcast goes and i hope you come back safe sammy that's the most important thing uh i hope so too yeah that'd be fun (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.